0: Well, good morning again, everybody. Again, hello to all of you joining us online. Uh, I mentioned a minute ago that there was two things that we could do as a church to help what's going on in the Middle East. The second thing we can do is we can give. And so you might ask, well, Pastor Rain, what is our Southern Baptist Convention doing to help give to the conflict that's going on? Well, Send Relief is one of our Southern Baptist ministries that's a partnership between the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board. And its goal is to bring the love of Christ to those who are in need around the world. And so Send Relief is currently working with local partners on the ground in Israel through and throughout the region to bring emergency needs to those who have them, and they've currently helped over a couple thousand people that are reeling from the effects of the war. So if you feel led this morning, if you'd like to give financially to help those in need, you can give through our Southern Baptist work, Send Relief. And uh, if you would like to do that, all you have to do is put on your offering envelope in front of you, your cash or check, just write on the envelope, Send Relief. And we will make sure that it gets to where it needs to get to. If you want to give online, you can do that as well. Just make sure you write in the memo area, send relief. All of those dollars, will leave the office this week and head to the International Mission Board to help the compassion ministries of our Southern Baptist Convention, all right? So congregation, thank you for having the heartbeat of Christ today. That is our mission, is to love people who are far from God, amen? Amen, all right. So I'm gonna just kind of transition here in my notes. Did you guys enjoy that uh, prayer time? That was meaningful, wasn't it? It's always good to lift up uh, people in need to to the Lord. The church is a house of prayer, everybody. That's what God calls us to be. So a couple things before we get going into the message today. Um, By the way, this seems really dark in here. Can we make sure it's the right lights, Brian? It just seems real dark in here to me right now. All right, so next week is the Lord's Supper and uh, and baptism. So we're gonna celebrate that next week. So if you've been wanting to experience the Lord's Supper together, let's do that next Sunday when you come in and we're gonna have a great time. If you wanna get baptized, next week's the week to do that. So just simply mark that on your connection card this week, today, and we will contact you this week and give you some instructions. We'll heat the baptistry up so it won't be cold, All right. All right, well, next week we'll also be starting a brand new sermon series called Devoted to Jesus. What a great thing that is. There's some connection or some rave cards in the lobby for you. Pick one up and uh, give it to a friend who you've been uh, thinking about inviting to church. Also last, uh, this is October. We've been talking about the last couple of weeks, and next week we're going to kind of start winding down. But uh, we're doing Operation Christmas Child. You've seen some of those shoe boxes in the, in the lobby out there. If you haven't done so, please consider filling a box up with all the stuff and uh, help a child who is in a foreign country who is less fortunate. Be a blessing to somebody who otherwise would not have anything, all right? There's information on what to do and how to fill up the boxes in the lobby out there. Are you all with me now? All right, so if you got your Bible, let's get to it. Let's turn to the book of John chapter 5, John is in the New Testament, and today we're going to be concluding our sermon series on the miracles of Jesus. We've been looking at various miracles that Jesus did during his ministry, and I want you to know, congregation, I've appreciated the the compliments that so many of you have have given me regarding this, uh, this sermon series. Hopefully you have found this to be a blessing in your own life and in your own spiritual growth. So here's what I want to do this morning as we get going. I want to project into your life a little bit, and let me see how much I I know you all, all right? So we are a people that love quick fixes in life. Now think about this. If you could choose between taking a magic pill to become physically fit, and I'm talking fit, like, you know, one of those gym rats that have like 6% body fat, Super lean, right? <clears throat> or if you would choose the magic pill, or have to go to the gym five times a week and and eat, you know, nothing with carbs and nothing with sugar. What, what what would you choose? Would you choose the magic pill? I think most of us probably would. In fact, most people in our culture would. Now, some of you actually like to work out, so I'm not talking to you. Okay, <laughs> but. But a lot of people want the magic pill because we are a culture that is consumed by quick fixes. If you don't believe me, all you have to do is watch TV in the evening and you'll see all the commercials for all the pills. Okay, now, we want a quick fix for just about every mess in our life. We want a quick fix physically, we want it medically, we want it spiritually, we want it financially. That's why so many people play the lottery That's why so many people are at the casinos. We're always looking for a quick fix. And it doesn't even have to be a miraculous fix from God. We'll take any kind of a quick fix. Now, truthfully, this is human nature. It's been this way ever since Adam and Eve, right? It's been this way long before any of us ever showed up. And so today, we're going to look at the poolside miracle, all right. And in John chapter five is where we find this story. So let me give you a little bit of the backstory here. So the pool of Bethesda is in Jerusalem. It's directly to the north of the temple mountain. It was known as the upper pool in biblical days, and it was the water source for the temple. And there was an urban legend that went on in the day that, that the pool had some sort of magic power in the water. And the legend was that when an angel of the Lord would come down to earth and flap its wings, that somehow it would stir the water and then there would be this ripple effect that would happen. And so the Jews believed that when this ripple thing happened, that whoever was the first person into the pool might receive a physical healing. And so people would come from all over the region just to come to Jerusalem to get into the pool of Bethesda first in hopes of getting healed. There'd be hundreds of people just hanging around this place. And so what I want to show you is this is a picture of the pool of Bethesda as it stands right now and today. No picture. Oh, okay. Hey, all right. There was supposed to be a picture of it right there. Okay, so the Pool of Bethesda—a lot of ruins, 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 ruins. It's very large, probably about seventy yards in width, about forty yards wide this way, length and width. Okay, and at some places it's about forty-two feet deep. Okay, so if you see some like little swimming pool on a on a on a Easter show or something like that about Jesus or whatever, yeah, yeah, that's not it. Big place. If you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's really big. And see, back in Bible times, there would be this water in this place, and it was covered with colonnades that would block out the sun. So that's the scenario, and let's pick up the story now in John chapter 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the, one of the Jewish festivals, now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which is in Aramaic, called Bethesda, and it's surrounded by five covered colonnades, verse 3. So here a great number of disabled people used to lie. Now, let me stop right there. Remember, they're not sunbathing, okay? They're staring at the water waiting for a ripple effect, okay? They're just laser locked in. And so the disabled people were there. Who's there? The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Now, the Greek word here for the word disabled is osthenio. And this term is a very broad term. It does mean feeble. It means impotent. But in its broad sense, it, yeah, it refers to people who are physically disabled. That makes total sense to us but it also refers to folks who are mentally disabled or who are struggling spiritually as well. So just envision this big pool and people laying around it. There's all kinds of people who have come from all over the region, and there's people there that have physical issues, but there's also people there who look normal on the outside but have something going on on the inside. Candidly, church, people who look like us. And they're just all sitting around waiting for the water to magically ripple. So Jesus comes walking into the pool area and he knows what all these people have going on. And he knows that they're all searching for a healing. And then in verse five, he sees a man. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Now we don't really know much about this man other than He's been this way for 38 years. Now in verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now I don't know if you've ever read this verse before, but it's like, yeah, Captain Obvious. Of course he wants to get healed. Why else would he be at the Pool of Bethesda? Because he knows the urban legend. So then you just have to step back and pause and say, okay, well, Jesus obviously knew all this. So was he getting at something else? Was there some other motive that Jesus had going on here? And the answer is yes. Jesus is far more interested in giving this man a spiritual healing than he was a physical healing. And when you look at the story, the man only wants Jesus to be the person who helps him get into the water. He wants to get into the water first so he can receive the healing power of the pool. So spiritually, this man's missing it. He doesn't even recognize who this fella is that just walked in. His only concern is, how do I get in the pool first? And the other issue that we see in his comments is that he has a belief that what's going to happen is limited to his experience. Because remember, the urban legend is somebody once said that they got healed when they got into the pool. So since somebody said that, let's just continue to do it. It must be true. Kind of like some of our gossip rumors are today, right? All right. And so he doesn't see Jesus for who he truly is. And folks, we believe today that Jesus is present with us. Do we not? We do. We believe that he's asking us the exact same question today that he asked the man at the pool of Bethesda. And you see it right there in this verse Do you want to get well? Now I already are, I already know the church answer. The church answer is, well, of course I want to get well, Pastor Wayne. But I ask you today, congregation and those of you watching us online, do you really want to get well? Are you sure? Have you come to that place in your life where spiritually you recognize that you're loved by God, he has a wonderful purpose and a plan for your life, but yet have you become so comfortable with where you're at in life? I mean, you're saved, you're going to heaven when it's all over, but deep down on the inside, spiritually, you recognize that there's more. Some of you might sit here today, you're watching us online, and you might be making decisions that are destructive in your life. You're finding yourself in a destructive cycle where it's goodwill and good intentions and and you make some good decisions for a while and then all of a sudden you have that crash and burn. And then you just suck it up, you tie yourself by your bootstrap and and you get up and you try again and a couple of good weeks go by and then you fall again. And then this cycle just repeats itself over and over and over and over because of bad decisions that you're making along the way. And so Jesus walks into your very life this morning and he looks you in the eye and he says to you and he's saying to you right now, do you want to get well? And as your pastor and as your friend, I genuinely care for you all. And so I ask you, do you really want that? Or is it, I do, Pastor Wayne, but it's just too hard to change. I mean, I don't want to make that kind of effort. So I'll just accept with whatever it is and live with all the dysfunction in my life and just keep on going on. And consequently, congregation, if that's you, you're just electing to stay next to the pool. Over the years of ministry, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about certain addictions that they have. And almost always they talk about how they've tried and tried and tried everything that they possibly know to overcome them. They've tried recovery groups, the doctor, in-house programs, counseling. I'm just everything that they know, all the stuff. And time and time again, here's what they say. I try and try, Pastor Wayne, but I just can't do it. It's just too hard. And then... They just get to the point and then they say, I guess it's just the way God made me. And so I'll ask them with compassion, I'll say, well, do you want to get well, my friend? Well, you know, Pastor Wayne, I do, but I try and try and I just can't. It's just how it is. So in your life, congregation, when you look at, for example, your marriage, and it's subpar and you know it's subpar. And somebody talks about a great marriage. You go to a conference or you hear your friends talking about how they have a great relationship with their spouse or whatever it is. And and how much they enjoy being around their spouse. And you're kind of like, I have no idea what that seems like. I have no idea what they're talking about. That is not my life. And because you've just grown and grown and grown to accept your current situation. But Jesus says to you today, do you want to get well? Do you really want that? Friends, there are some things in the Bible that I don't like. There is. Uh, Sometimes I don't like love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, have you met my next door neighbor? Okay. Really? (laughs) I don't like love your enemies and pray for them. But God is right in his word and I trust his word. Do you trust his word? Do you trust it? Do you really? Now let me remind you of what his word says back in Exodus chapter 15. This is in your outline, verse 26. It says, for I am the Lord who heals you. His word right here tells us that he and he alone is the one who does the healing in this world, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And if his word says it, congregation, I believe it. Now, I don't understand it all the time, but I believe it to be true. In fact, healer is one of the names of the Lord. In Hebrew, it's, it's called Jehovah Rapha, and it's in your outline there. And this literally means that the Lord is our healer. Congregation, God is the one who does the healing in our life. So I want to press in a little bit to you today, okay? And I want to give you two big questions as we walk through this whole idea today. So if you want a healing in your life somewhere, if you say you are a person of faith, and if you say you trust Jesus, the first question I want to give you comes right back to you. And it's in your outline. Number one, how big is your God? How big is your God? I mean, do you believe that God truly is big? Do you remember singing this song as a kid? My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Some of you know the song. Okay. But do you really believe that? I mean, not in theory, but do you actually believe that God is big? How big is your God? Here's the response of the man in the story. Jesus comes in and asks him, do you want to get well? And in verse 7, he says, you're Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You created the heavens and the earth. You are a miracle worker. I've heard about you. So yes, I want to get well. Is that what he said? That's not what he said at all. Instead, the man gets into an eye problem where it's about me, myself, and I. Watch all the pronouns here. Verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So we can see this guy's wanting to get healed. And at the same time, the Messiah is standing right next to him and he doesn't even know it. Why? Because he is consumed with himself. Now, there's a country song. Does anybody like country music? Any country music fans in the room? All right, good. Yeah, I stopped listening to country music back in 2001 because that's the year my truck broke down, my dog ran away, and my girlfriend broke up with me. <laughs> yeah, you guys like that one, huh? Okay. Okay. So, a few years ago, there was this country song that came out, and the lyrics were said, I want to talk about me, I want to talk about I, I want to talk about number one. Who was the singer that said that? Who? Toby Keith. That's right. By the way, thank you. And have you found my dog yet? (laughs) I'm still waiting for him to come home. I'm playing with you. I'm playing with you. All right. So think about this. He's got an eye problem going on. And so let's see if this just fits you. Jesus is standing right next to the guy, and Christ asked him, do you want to get well? And his response is, I have nobody to help me into the pool. So in essence, it's, yeah, it's my illness, it's my problem, it's my this, it's my that, and you don't understand all the things I've gone through with the way I was raised, and my grandfather, and my mom, and my dad, and my brother, and my sister, and all the stuff. And Jesus is asking, do you want to get well? That's the question at hand. And frankly, congregation, many times for us, we do the exact same thing that the guy at the pool does. Jesus is saying, do you want to get well? And for us, we go right to the temptation and we give him the pushback of all the reasons why we don't want to get well. But what we need to recognize, here it is, is it's not about us. And yet the disabled man goes right to that place where it's all about him. So let's have a little fun here. I want you to turn to your spouse or some of you, can turn to the person next to you, your friend that you 've been friends for a now you married couples you 've been waiting to do this a really long time, so are you ready for this? Everybody repeat after me, Pastor Wayne said, Come on, church, Pastor Wayne said it 's not about you. Tell them, Wow, did you notice the volume increase there? Wow. So, the Messiah is standing right next to the guy, and yet he doesn't even see him. Jesus might be right next to you today, and the question is, is can you see him? Do you see him? He's there. Now, I may not physically see him, but in his presence is right there. So, let's talk about who is standing right next to us in Psalm 33 chapter 33, verse six, seven, and nine. Here's what the word of God says. It says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth, verse seven, he gathers the water of the sea into jars, verse nine, for he spoke and it came to be. That's awesome right there. The same person who spoke creation into existence is standing right next to this disabled man. And this guy is more concerned about how he's just too slow to get into the pool. Now, the same Lord who spoke creation into existence, get your mind around that, congregation, is asking you today, do you want to get well? And some of you, unfortunately, you're going to respond with an excuse. Well, God, you just don't understand my situation. And I've gone to the doctor, and I've seen the counselor, and blah, 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 blah. Really? (laughs) Jesus... Understands you. Hear me, my friends. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's always been about Him. Look at first uh, look at Colossians chapter 1 in your outline, verse 15. The Apostle Paul says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Now look at verse 17. He is before all things and in him, what church? All things hold together. The one who made all things is the one who is standing next to this disabled man at the pool of Bethesda, and he is the one connecting to you and to me today. And so the question is do you really want to give Jesus every excuse under the sun as to why you're not ready to make a change in your life? So I ask you, my friends, how big is your God? Have you created a different God from the God of the Bible? Have you created a God in your mind that's like a genie in a bottle that you can just call on whenever you rub the magic lamp? The Bible calls that idolatry. Or is your God, who I affectionately call the God, Jesus? Jesus? the one who spoke creation into existence and did all of the amazing things that we read about in scripture. How big is your God? Second question is what is God telling you to do? Jesus asks the man, do you want to get well? The man goes into an eye problem and then in verse eight, Jesus is now done with all that stuff. Here's what he says to him. Jesus said to him, get up pick up your mat and walk. Verse nine, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now notice that Jesus straight up commanded this man on what he was to do. He didn't ask him. If Jesus would have asked him, hey, little fella, do you want to have, you know, you want to get up? Many scholars actually believe, every time I tried to do it, I laugh. Okay, many scholars actually believe that the man would have given Jesus a full list of reasons why he wouldn't have been able to get up. So Jesus just straight up tells the man, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And I love how in the text that the man was instantly cured as he rose to his feet. So I pause. Beloved, let me ask you, what is God telling you to do? Better said, what is God commanding you to do that you're not currently doing? Because one of the principles that we find in scripture and it's in your outline is this is obedience always precedes the miraculous. Now, we want the miracle in our life, but we want it on our terms. We want it our way, just like I said last week. We want to tell God what we need him to do, right? We we want to be the ones who are in charge. And because of that, we're not really interested in being obedient. We're interested in God being obedient to us. But that's not the way that God works. All throughout Scripture, what you will see is obedience precedes the miraculous, couple examples, some familiar ones, Exodus 3. This is Moses with the burning bush, that encounter, right? Moses sees the burning bush being consumed by fire. He begins to walk towards the bush. God says, stop, take off your sandals, for this is holy ground. And if you read through the rest of chapter 3, this is the beginning of God leading the children of Israel out of captivity from Egypt. Now, what did Moses actually do? He stopped, he took off his shoes, and because of his obedience to the Lord, God began to do his work. How about Noah? In Genesis 6, 14, this is the story of Noah's ark. Pretty cool story if you've never read it. But imagine this, God comes to you, you're Noah, and he says to you in verse 14, hey, I want you to make yourself an ark. And the reason is because the world is going to flood. Now, keep this in mind, everybody. Let's, put, let's get into the situation there. This is the antediluvian age. This is the time period in history between the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden until Noah's flood where basically it was about 1,650 years long according to biblical genealogy. And during this time period, you've got to understand, precipitation from the sky had never happened. No rain, no snow, no nothing from the sky. Well, where'd water come from? Water came from the springs in the ground. And so God tells Noah, build an ark. And if you see in scripture, this thing is big. So Noah and his family were out there hauling away and building this thing, and the people come along and they say, What is this crazy old fool doing? And Noah says, Hey, it's gonna rain, and they go, What? It's going to flood. What? They called him a crazy old fool because of that. Now we know the story. Noah's obedient. He builds the ark. It starts to rain. God judges the earth. That's how the story goes. And then there's others in the Old Testament. 2 Kings 5, you have Naaman. God told him, dip into the water seven times. Not six, not eight. How many? Seven times. And on the seventh time, he was healed. And then in the New Testament, in Matthew 14, Jesus is walking on the water. Peter says to him, hey, Lord, is that you? And Jesus tells Peter to get out of the boat and to come. And what does Peter do? Peter obeys. And at that moment in history, Peter was the second of two men to ever walk on water in human history. And it's never happened again. Back in week one of this series, we talked about the blind man. And in John chapter 9, verse 7, Jesus told him, go wash the mud off his eyes so he could see. What does the blind man do? He gets up and goes and, and does as he was told, and then he was healed. Obedience precedes the miraculous. So I ask you, friends, today, based upon Scripture, what's God telling you to do in your life? And are you going to obey him or not? In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep never listen to my voice. They do whatever they want to do, and they carelessly wander around. Is that what it says? That is not what it says. But if we're honest, it's probably more accurate than we want to admit. The text does say, John 10, 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And what do they do? They follow me. So let's get into the application part of what Jesus is asking us to do and I'll give you a scenario and we'll walk through it. Oftentimes, many folks have struggles in the area of forgiveness. And so this is gonna connect with several of you today and my prayer is that you find healing, okay? When you have a person who's made poor choices in life and and in their past and, and it's caused all kinds of problems and confusion and they just end up at a place in life where they're just a real mess, And then they come to church, or they watch us online, or or whatever, and then they hear that as a believer, your past, present, and future sins are forgiven in Christ. Hallelujah? All right. Amen. Some of you believe that. Now, for those of us that are like me, we actually believe that truth in Scripture. We believe that God has forgiven everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord. But unfortunately, this same person has never forgiven themselves. As a result, because of their past mistakes, they have this internal turmoil going on. So this person prays and prays and prays and says, Lord, I am an absolute mess, heal me. And God will say, do you want to get well? And they respond with, yes, Lord, I want to be well. And then God says, okay, well, you need to accept my forgiveness and then you need to forgive yourself. And it's at this point right here that so often this person goes into the pushback response and says, well, you just don't know about my history and all this and all that. But God does know. Take someone who's been abused, whether it's physical, emotional, sexual, or whatever, right? And as a result, it's, it's difficult for them to have healthy relationships. They're guarded, they're standoffish, and and often have all kinds of security and abandonment issues. We see this in our society. And then they hear the scripture that says, God calls us to forgive the person who's hurt us. And the response is, but Lord, you don't understand. You don't know what they've done to me. And Jesus says, I do know. Do you want to get well? And so the person responds with, yes, I want to get well. And then Jesus says, okay, well, you have to forgive the person who hurt you. And it's at this point right here that so often what follows is exactly what the man at the poolside did. They get into an I and a me problem, and then the excuses come as to why they don't want to do that. And all of a sudden, it's the, I just can't get in the pool because somebody's beating me in there. Now, friends, hear me. Remember, the miraculous always follows obedience. Obedience. We want to be healed. We want to have this wholeness in our life. But when it comes to actually doing what God tells us to do in Scripture so often, we just want to push back. We want to be the person laying around the side of the pool and with every excuse under the sun as to why we can't get in the water. So here's the transformation principle for us all. If you want the miracle to actually happen in your life, You must, must, must do exactly what God has already said to do in his word. Period. Obedience precedes the miraculous. Do you hear me today, everybody? Okay. So think about all the private and deep, dark sins that you have going on in your life. All the things that you're struggling with. All the stuff that you're sweeping under the rug. Yeah, that stuff. Okay. So, get this, God already knows about all of it. You're not hiding anything from Him. And I'm honestly glad that you're here today because, folks, church is a hospital for sick sinners, not a country club for saved, healthy saints. Okay? So, listen to me. I want you to identify whatever it is that's helping you continue to sin. Is it a person? Is it a place? Is it a computer? Is it a social media site? Is it a phone? Is it something that you consume? Whatever it is, Jesus is coming to you and he's asking you today, do you want to get well and be free from it? And if your answer is yes, awesome. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus has commanded us to do whatever it takes to remove Ourselves from the source of temptation. So we need to be obedient to Him. Obedience precedes the miraculous. So I say to you, my friends, get up, get up and pick up your mat and walk. Stop giving Jesus every excuse under the sun as to why you can't get in the pool. Hear my heartbeat. Do whatever it takes. And for some of you, it may require taking drastic measures in order to get spiritually healthy. What's God calling you to do, my friends? What do you need to clean up in your life? Jesus says to you today, do you want to be well? And unfortunately, some of us don't want to get well. We're too connected to our sinful habits. We're missing the freedom that Christ wants to give us and what he wants us to experience. It's right before you today. We just have to make the decision to be obedient, to get up, pick up our mat, and walk. Now, it's pretty simple when it comes to following Jesus. I'm pretty simple when it comes to following Jesus. I believe the Bible. And I believe that no matter what's in your past, No matter what problem you have or what addiction you're struggling with today, Jesus wants to make you well. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. And the question for you then is, as I close, is this, are you ready for that? Because if you say yes, I promise you this, God will absolutely give you a command that he wants you to do. And if you're obedient, that is the beginning to the pathway of the miraculous. But if you choose not to, you're the guy on the pool deck just waiting for the water to stir and you can't get in and nothing in your life is gonna change. Follow Jesus, my friends. Hear me. Follow Jesus and be obedient to him. Second Corinthians chapter five is one of my favorite verses in the whole New Testament. It's in your outline. It says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Not rebuilt, not remade, not tuned up, not waxed and polished. He is a brand new creation in Christ. The old has gone. The new has come. Amen? Amen? I'm gonna invite you to stand and pray with me this morning as we close. While I was praying for this message this morning, I just believe that there's somebody here today or watching us online that's been crying out to God for a healing and so today is the message that you needed. Obedience precedes the miraculous. How big is your God? What is he calling you to do? Are you willing to be obedient to what he's calling? Father, I recognize that there are many folks here today that have struggles and hurts and hangups and addictions and all this inner turmoil and physical illnesses and all this stuff going on. But God, I believe that you can heal us. And I believe that you want to. So I'm asking you, God, to be the God who heals. You are Jehovah Rapha. Lord, I pray that you will come down in your might and your power and just touch all of us in this room. Touch the lives of everybody here. God, we need you to meet us at our point of need. So Lord, I pray that we will make the choice to be obedient to you today. That we will do what you've called us to do and experience your presence like we never have before. Jesus, you truly are amazing. And maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ and and you've never decided to be a follower of Jesus. And so I just want to invite you to do that today. It really is as simple as A-B-C. A stands for admitting that you are a sinner. That you're far from God and that you need him. And because of your sin, you're separated from him. B is believe that Jesus is the Christ the Messiah who came to this earth to die on a cross for your sins. And he rose again. And see is just simply confess him and call upon his name. And if that's what you want to do, I'd invite you to just pray this with me right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you came and that you died and you rose again for my sins. I confess you now Come enter my heart. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name. Congregation, as we're praying today, do you want to be changed? Do you want to get well? Do business with God today. Father, thank you for this time that we have today. Accept our worship to you with the worship of the word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before we go, everybody look at me real quick. If today was the day where you made that decision for the first time to be with Jesus and invite him into your heart, I want to invite you to respond to that. I want you to take your connection card that you have in your pew in front of you and just fill it out. Make sure the contact information there. Check that box that says, I want to know more about accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. And on your way out, stop by the connection kiosk. We want to give you a special new believers bag that has some resources in there to get you working and and knowing about what it means to follow Jesus. And then we wanna contact you this week and get you started. Or you might wanna talk with somebody right now before you leave. Our encouragers are over here. Uh, To my left, your right. Come say hi. Let us pray with you and and cheer you on and give you a big high five. Following Jesus, I say this a lot, is the best decision of your life, church. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Maybe you're here and you just want some prayer. You want some encouragement in your faith. You've been struggling. you got some things that are deep down inside and you need some help. Allow us to pray with you. Would you please? You can put your prayer request on the back of your card as well. Help us help you. You're not meant to go through this faith journey alone. God loves you and he's got a wonderful church family here who wants to encourage you in faith. Amen? Amen. That being said, everybody, don't forget to... Uh, to uh, Pay attention to the bulletins. Sign up for the block party. Let's go have a great week. God bless you. One thing left to do, let's go out into the world and let's be the church of Jesus. God bless you. Have a great week.